Thursday morning, the 24th of August, the Feast of St. Bartholomew the Apostle. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you, O Lord, for your holy church, built upon the foundation of the apostles. Make us strong and living stones within it. Blessed are you for baptism and penance given to us through the apostles. Through the sacraments, renew us in faith, hope, and love. Blessed are you for the Eucharist handed down to us through the apostles. Feed your people always at the banquet table of life. Pour forth upon your church, O Lord, the gift of your Holy Spirit, that our love for one another and for your word may set fire to our world as the apostles, like St. Bartholomew, set fire to theirs. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Bartholomew, pray for us. It is a better way to start a Thursday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman is pushing buttons. That's the whole team. Uh, I would uh, spend a lot more time on the credits, but it's really just the three of us. Well, it's not just the three of us because we've got lots of great guests this morning, including Father Robert Nixon, and he's going to talk about more jewels and gems that reflect the virtues of Our Lady Today, we talk about the Jade. Jonathan Strait joins us from Ascension Press. Um, I wanted to share a conversation we had with him from earlier this week about how they're uh, adjusting their maternity and paternity leave policies to try and be more pro-family at Ascension. Now, uh, there are a lot of apostolates and places who would love to be able to do more of that kind of thing and aren't sure exactly what to do and how to do it, and uh, it'll be an interesting conversation from Jonathan's perspective on that. Uh, We're going to talk about the importance of seeking truth and doing a little research when uh, figuring out what to believe and not to believe on the internet. A little media literacy this morning. I hope Teresa Tamio doesn't mind me stepping on her toes. I know that's her wheelhouse, but we got some some truthiness to dig into uh, and uh, some media literacy this morning. Also, Kevin Prendergast will discuss... Ways to strengthen your marriage. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Republican presidential candidates are sparring over a national abortion ban. In a debate on Fox News Channel yesterday, former Vice President Mike Pence said he would push for a 15-week federal ban on abortion if he were elected president. The American people will have a champion for life in the Oval Office. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley said she's unapologetically pro-life, but argued that a national ban would never pass through Congress. Seventy percent of the American people support legislation but to ban abortion of the after Senate a baby is capable not. of North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum said such a ban would be unconstitutional and said he believes the issue should be left up to the states to decide. Meanwhile, President Trump, who was not at the debate last night, is expected to be booked into the Fulton County, Georgia jail today. Trump reiterated his plans to turn himself in on criminal charges, saying on his social media site yesterday that he is proudly surrendering this afternoon. 
He faces racketeering and a dozen other counts connected to alleged interference in the 2020 Georgia election. The Russian mercenary chief who led an aborted revolt against Russian President Vladimir Putin is dead. Mark Mayfield reports. Russian state-controlled media says Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin was killed in a private plane crash along with nine other people Tuesday north of Moscow. Prigozhin openly mocked Putin over the handling of the Ukraine war and there was widespread speculation in the international community that Putin would soon enact revenge, although there's no word on the cause of the crash. President Biden says he doesn't know for a fact what happened, but he's not surprised. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis has again asked for prayers for Ukraine. He did so during his general audience yesterday as he was looking ahead to the feast today of St. Bartholomew the Apostle. He said, quote, to the intercession of St. Bartholomew, we entrust dear Ukraine so sorely tried by war. Brothers and sisters, he said, let us pray for the Ukrainians. In his remarks to Polish pilgrims, he also entrusted Ukraine to Our Lady of Chestakova, whose feast is on Saturday. In his catechesis, the Holy Father focused on Our Lady of Guadalupe as he continued his series on the passion for evangelization during his general audience. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Although the faith had already arrived in the Americas when Our Lady appeared to Juan Diego, Pope Francis noted the first evangelization of the so-called New World had not been without problems. Instead of the path of enculturation, he said, too often the hasty approach of transplanting pre-constituted models had been taken, lacking respect for the indigenous peoples. When Mary appeared to Juan Diego, though, she came dressed in the clothing of the native peoples, speaking their language, welcoming and loving the local culture. Maria e madre. She is a mother, and under her mantle, every child finds place, the Pope continued. In Mary, God became flesh, and through Mary, he continues to incarnate himself into the lives of peoples. The Holy Father highlighted Mary's proclamation of God in the native language of the people. The gospel, he said, is transmitted through the mother tongue. This, he said, is why mothers are the first evangelizers. Turning back to Juan Diego, the messenger of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Pope Francis noted that the saint persisted in the mission Mary gave him, despite difficulties, including resistance from church leaders. Even today, the Pope said, in so many places, enculturing the gospel and evangelizing cultures requires constancy and patience, not being afraid of conflict and not losing heart. Our Lady confirmed her message to Juan Diego with a miracle, the extraordinary and living image that appeared on the tilma or cloak of the saint. This, the Pope said, is the surprise of God. When there is willingness and obedience, he can accomplish something unexpected at times and in ways that we cannot foresee. Even today at Marian shrines and other places of pilgrimage, we see the welcome and evangelization that marked the life of St. Juan Diego. We need to go to these oases of consolation and mercy, the Pope said, where faith is expressed in a maternal language, where we lay down the labors of life into Our Lady's arms and return to our lives with peace in our hearts. I'm Christopher Wells. And Labor Day travel is going to be way up compared to last year, especially those going abroad. That according to AAA booking data, domestic travel this holiday weekend should be up 4%. Most will leave the Thursday or Friday before Labor Day to take advantage of the long weekend. The most popular destinations are typically the Pacific Northwest and bigger cities like New York and Denver, as well as tourist hotspots like Las Vegas and Orlando. Matt, you going anywhere for Labor Day? 
Uh, I'm not sure. That seems like a long way away. It's next week. Yeah, like I say, it seems like a long way away. <laughs> school starts next week. Oh, school started for us. For us. So I got to figure out, you know, if we got enough, like I say, school pants and uh, lunchbox items. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And you are so if right. If we completed our summer work, things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't have time to think. You know what I'm going to do on Labor Day? Same thing I do on every long weekend. Take a nap. Try to take a nap and grill something. Maybe go fishing. That's good. That's fair. That's fair. I like that. So, people talk about taking staycations. That's all long weekends really are for me. Yeah. Oh, wait. Actually, uh, my wife just busted in and said we're going to Appaloosa Fest. I forgot about that. You're going to Appaloosa? That's on Labor Day weekend? Yeah. Oh, man. It's a long way away, so I wasn't really thinking about it. Oh, my gosh. Does Will Actually, if anybody else is going to Appaloosa Fest, let me know. Can I go with you? Yes, absolutely. Hold on. I'm actually got to – you just reminded me. i got to make a bunch of chili to freeze so I can take it camping. I wonder if Will works on Labor Day. i got to find this out. Yeah, find it out. Get back to me. I might just go. Just do it. You know, i got a bunch of friends in the Front Royal area. Over at the Institute of Catholic Culture. That's uh, that's ICC headquarters. Yeah, man. It'll be for sure. Okay, I'm going to talk to Will. We'll see if we can make this happen, Matt. Well, today is Thursday, August the 24th. It is the Feast of St. Bartholomew the Apostle. Pray for us. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Robert Nixon. He's a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia, translator of the Tan Resurrection series. And we are nearing the end of The Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. Father, welcome back. Thank you very much, Eddie. It's great to be with you today. It is great to have you. So we're at the 21st place in the crown of the Virgin imagined by St. Ildefonsus. And in that place, he puts the precious gold green jade. Now, he has a very interesting way to start this chapter that I want to get to in a minute. But can you first, before we get to this, uh, talk about what a green gold green jade is green jade yeah so actually this was my translation of a term in latin uh chrysoprase which is actually a kind of mineral it's a green stone but it's not really well known so i thought um you know it's a bit like it looks like jade so i thought that would Hmm. be a good way to translate it and he talks about it later on as being gold and green so that came to mind as a as a nice way of putting this phrase gold green jade and um, you know jade is a stone which can be extremely valuable and um, so you know he's talking about that kind of jade the able jade with a, a, a beautiful almost indescribable gold green color very interesting okay so we'll get back to that in a second but let's go to the very beginning of this where uh, where he references her uh, in light of the book of Judith. Talk about that. Indeed. So he, he quotes from the book of Judith, where it says, a Hebrew woman cast confusion into the house of Nebuchadnezzar. And he interprets this phrase, this verse, as referring to the Blessed Virgin. And of course, traditionally, a lot of the things in the Old Testament 
are taken as being symbols of either Christ himself or the Blessed Virgin. And, of course, the house of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a, an evil king of Babylon who is symbolically the devil. So this Hebrew woman is symbolically the Blessed Virgin and how she overcomes the death, warts all of his plans. And I think this is um, a wonderful uh, image which he presents us. Um, he talks about how she, she overthrows all of his evil plans. You snapped the scepter of his dark tyranny and tore apart the cruel yoke of the slavery of sin. So I think this is, um, you know, one of the things she does. The Blessed Virgin Mary is, of course, a gentle mother, but she's also a very strong warrior, especially when she confronts these forces of evil. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that this makes perfect sense because Judith, just one of three women in Scripture who are described as blessed among women, one, of course, being the Blessed Virgin Mary, the other Indeed. one being Jael, who uh, is the one that that stuck the uh, stuck the the, uh, the dagger, through, yeah. yeah, into uh, <laughs> into the uh, the head of uh, the the yeah. evil general. So you see, three women described yeah. as blessed among women who crushed the head of essentially Satan. In, indeed, that's absolutely right, uh, Annie, and I think it it highlights the importance of. Uh, of the Blessed Virgin Mary and of all female saints in this combat against evil, that they can be such powerful figures, as indeed we know from, from daily life, that it's often women who are the, the strongest uh, and loyal defenders and fighters for the faith. Most definitely. So then how does he take this stone that you're describing as jade, um, and and use that to to uh, identify the Blessed Mother. So um, he talks about this. He says this polished stone sparkles with the brilliance of gold and glows with the greenness of spring, just as you, O Virgin, radiate the lust wisdom and glow with the viridescence of holy deeds. In the shade of gold is the grace of wisdom signified while the shade of green represents the purity of virginity. Wow. That's really beautiful. And and then he goes on to uh, talk about her, I mean, essentially being the, the spouse of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit filled her from the very beginning. In, indeed. And he talks about how the Holy Spirit, because we know she received the fullness of grace, how she received the uh, seven virtues to their fullest degree. He says, the Holy Spirit gave to you the gift of wisdom that you might be elevated into the ecstasy of celestial. Secondly, he adorned you with intelligence by which you were able fully to understand the depths of the divine mysteries. Thirdly, you were enriched with the gift of counsel that you would be prudent beyond all others. Fourth, God granted you knowledge that you might perceive all things with absolute clarity. Fifth, he gave you the gift of fortitude, which is so important, that you should be strong and unwavering in the face of all adversity. Sixth, you were endowed with piety, that you might be a flowing river of mercy, overflowing with kindly charity. Seventhly, God granted you the grace of holy fear, in order that you might be pure in mind and humbly reverent in the presence of his divine majesty. 
And this is, I think, such a wonderful description and particularly the wisdom and strength, which are things which we, we often might overlook. But it was Mary who had the clearest contemplative uh, experience of, of God. She had firsthand understanding of all the mysteries which theologians have deliberated about over the centuries. It was all perfectly clear to her by this fullness of grace, by this perfection of virtue, which was within her. Yeah, and that leads him into the prayer, I therefore beg you, most merciful lady, that your grace may protect me. May it enlighten my senses, make chaste my body, sanctify my soul and inflame my heart. May your strength enter into my being, illuminate my conscience and purify my flesh. May your wisdom and virtue guard me against temptation console me in tribulation and protect me from sin. May your grace be with me, whether I am praying, meditating, reading, speaking, awake, or sleeping. Some just beautiful, I mean, all of these chapters are beautiful, but this one in particular, I just loved. The Precious Gold Green Jade in the Crown of the Virgin by St. Ildefonsus of Toledo. We've been talking about it with Father Robert Nixon. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Eddie, and may God bless you and all of your listeners today. And you as well, Father. Thank you. All right, it's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. And bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. If you're currently an EWTN media missionary or just interested in becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. EWTNMissionaries.com, designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNMissionaries.com today. 19 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Republican candidates for president sparred over a national abortion ban proposal at their debate last night. Pope Francis 
has again asked for prayers for Ukraine and also in his general audience yesterday focused on Our Lady of Guadalupe continuing his series on passion for evangelization. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, Anna Mitchell, uh, I don't know if you're a... Your garden has has done anything this year. I did want to mention, since I'm making chili for my my camping trip, I had some great poblanos and habaneros. Oh, yeah? And uh, jalapenos Mm -hmm. harvested yesterday. Nice. And uh, I was thinking about this in terms of the mass, like going into that idea of the garden. Mm -hmm. When we say, you know, through your mercy we have the bread we offer, fruit of the earth and the work of human hands. Mm -hmm. The wine we offer, fruit of the vine, work of human hands. Mm -hmm. It's always easier to understand those things if you have like even the tiniest plant that you worked on growing. Yep, for sure. It's 21 past. Got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A meditation and reflection of St. John Vianney. The Christian's treasure is not on earth, but in heaven. Our thoughts, then, ought to be directed to where our treasure is. This is the glorious duty of man, to pray and to love. Prayer is nothing else but union with God. In this intimate union, God and the soul are fused together like two bits of wax that no one can ever pull apart. Prayer never leaves us without sweetness. It is honey that flows into the soul and makes all things sweet. When we pray properly, sorrows disappear like snow before the sun. How often we come to church with no idea of what to do or what to ask for. And yet, whenever we go to any human being, we know well enough why we go. I often think that when we come to adore the Lord, we would receive everything we ask for if we would ask with living faith and with a pure heart. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Mark Watkins. Swain here, now talking to Jonathan Strait, President, CEO, and owner of Ascension Press. And of course, you know all kinds of great Ascension Press uh, efforts because we talk about a lot of them here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Jonathan, welcome. Hi, good morning, Matt. So I'm very interested to talk to you about the update of your family leave policies, which actually have gotten uh, a fair amount of news, both in Catholic circles, but also kind of in the wider workplace conversation. If you could, tell us what your leave policies were before and how you updated them. Sure. So uh, some people may be familiar with something called FMLA. That is what the government requires in terms of family leave policies. 
And the requirement is that you could take up to 12 weeks off without losing uh, your job. Uh, there's no requirement for actual paid leave. And the United States is one of the few developed countries that actually has no requirement for paid leave. So without a requirement, a lot of companies might do something with, say, short-term disability, um, which seems a little bit you know, odd to cover you know, pregnancy and birth. You know, but that might do, you know, maybe six weeks at 60% of your salary or something like that. Um, but not all companies offer that. And when they do, sometimes uh, employees don't qualify. Uh, and we had that issue, too, uh, at Ascension with employees expecting that and not getting it. Uh, so we wanted to take a look and see what we could do. The American Academy of Pediatrics uh, suggests at least 12 weeks uh, paid time off uh, for new mothers. And so that's where we started. Our original policy was one week off uh, for mothers and fathers, uh, and now we're offering mothers up to 12 weeks off and uh, new fathers up to six weeks off. Well, that is pretty cool. Uh, I know that there are some other places that have similar kinds of things. I know that there are uh, some dioceses specifically who have said, you know what, whatever else we do, we're going to try and make sure that we've got something in place for these families, uh, maternity and paternity leave. I got a guy at my parish who's in that situation right now, and there you go. Uh, he's lining up all his ducks, and we're all trying to get his back uh, in parish responsibilities so he can do that because we care about that sort of thing yeah. as a parish. But uh, you know, there are probably a lot of people involved in smaller parishes, smaller ministries, smaller apostolates, smaller publishers who are saying, "Yeah, but you got Father Mike Schmitz and Jeff Cavins, man. It's probably easier <laughs> for you guys." So, well, what would you say to them? You know, I would say, it, uh, we, frankly, it is. We have uh, almost 100 employees, and so at scale, it is easier for us uh, to find some uh, somebody that can come in and help with the work. Uh, I can imagine that, you know, in a smaller organization, uh, it is harder, um, you know, but it really does send the right message, too. And like you said, you know, when, when employees understand, you know, what's going on and, and why we're doing this, um, you know, and that this is, this is more than – you know, there's the baby bonding time built into this as long as the medical recovery, as well as the medical recovery. Um, you know, it's something that we want to support to build a culture of life. Well, and it's something, too, that requires a little bit of investment from apostolates and from, you know, the people who are uh, engaged with and benefiting from them and involved around them. I'm speaking, uh, by the way, as someone who has taken over for uh, Anna Mitchell every time she's gone on maternity leave, because honestly, <laughs> I would rather have Anna Mitchell have a great family that's building up the church than for her to work through the pain just so we can put on yeah. a radio show <laughs> on limited yeah. energy, right? It matters to me that this is the kind of world we're trying to help foster. But, I mean, maybe you've run into this before, Jonathan. Uh, I run into it all the time because I've done apostle work for a while this idea that you know if you're working for the church uh you shouldn't be driving a nice car or living in a nice house you shouldn't be having any of this stuff uh you shouldn't be making any money <laughs> you shouldn't be doing any of these things you should be donating your entire life your entire time every ounce of your energy to the church and it really shouldn't be that way i mean we should take care of the people who are taking care of the church yeah, absolutely. I mean, so many people working for the church. When when you're working as a layperson for the church, you know, you're you're raising a family too. You know, and it, it can be a more and more and more difficult decision if you're able to work in secular industry for significantly more money uh, as opposed to working for the church. And that can be hard for some people to say, "Well, I, I want to work." You know, I still want to work for the church, you know, despite this and despite, you know, how many children I want to raise. 
you know, so I think it's it's up to, you know, us as lay people in the church uh, to try and make that as competitive as, as possible. You know, I can tell you that uh, since you mentioned cost, one of the things that, you know, we found at Ascension, we have a lot of family-friendly, uh, employee-friendly policies. Uh, the turnover rate in just the publishing industry in general is something around 37%. Uh, ours is down to less than 4%. So I know a lot of employers might think, you know, well, you know, policies like this cost us money. And one of the ways that you end up finding some some ways to cover things like this is the employees are dedicated. You know, you don't have to retrain everybody every time someone has a baby. Yeah. Well, there's there's this other aspect to it, too, Jonathan. And uh, I think that we lose a lot of people who could be longer term doing some of these things. I, I mean, I. I've seen this story play out more times than I can count where someone comes in and they're a really dynamic leader in a youth ministry parish or they're uh, doing some really cool things in a a Catholic apostle. Then they have one baby and they simply cannot afford to do that gig anymore. (laughs) And then they're done. And I'm like, man, that person would have been so amazing if we could have kept them in this apostolate work, uh, building up the church. And instead they had to go, you know, sell insurance or something. Uh, oh yeah, and we because we because we couldn't hang on to him, and I just I would love to see us hang on to more of those people who come out of college and are amazing and starting young families and don't have to switch out of church work the second they have one baby. Oh, absolutely, hundred percent with you. Um, you know, it's a it's a difficult decision to make, and you do owe it to your family. You have to provide for them. I view it as uh, you know the real competition. For the work that we're doing in the church is is that is exactly that. It's people leaving the work in the church to go work for like you said, maybe some insurance thing or something. You know, we want to retain as many people to help you know build up the church as we can. And so we we have to look at what's going on out there uh, in the industry, greater industry, and see how we can stay competitive. Well, thanks so much, Jonathan Straight from Ascension Press. Find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. Good morning. Republican candidates for president sparred over a national abortion ban at their debate last night. In the debate on the Fox News channel, former President Mike Pence said he would push for a 15-week ban on abortion if elected president. Tim Scott and Asa Hutchinson also said they'd push for a national ban. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley said while she's unapologetically pro-life, argued that a national ban would never get through Congress. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum said such a ban is unconstitutional and claimed the issue should be left up to the states to decide. All eight candidates in the debate vowed to combat rising crime in the U.S. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who's polling in second place after former President Donald Trump, said the victimization of U.S. citizens will stop when he becomes president. He also said that the crime rate in Florida is at a 50-year low. Meanwhile, former President Trump is expected to be booked into the Fulton County Jail today. Donald Trump reiterated his plans to turn himself in, saying that on his social media site yesterday, he's proudly surrendering this afternoon. He's facing racketeering and a dozen other counts connected to alleged interference in the 2020 Georgia election. The Russian mercenary chief who led an aborted revolt against Russian President Vladimir Putin is dead. Mark Mayfield has more. Russian state-controlled media says Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin was killed in a private plane crash 
along with nine other people Tuesday north of Moscow. Prigozhin openly mocked Putin over the handling of the Ukraine war, and there was widespread speculation in the international community that Putin would soon enact revenge, although there's no word on the cause of the crash. President Biden says he doesn't know for a fact what happened, but he's not surprised. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis has again asked for prayers for Ukraine. He did so during his general audience as he was looking ahead to the feast today of St. Bartholomew. He said, quote, to the intercession of St. Bartholomew, we entrust dear Ukraine so solely so sorely tried by war. Brothers and sisters, he said, let us pray for the Ukrainians. He also entrusted Ukraine to Our Lady of Chestakova in his remarks to Polish pilgrims. That feast day is on Saturday. During his catechesis, the Holy Father focused on Our Lady of Guadalupe, continuing his series on the passion for evangelization during his general audience. The Holy Father was emphasizing the importance of passing on the faith in your native language. He said, this is why mothers are the first evangelizers. The Archbishop of Lahore joined Muslim and government leaders to visit a Christian community after a wave of violence. Eduardo Garibaldi reports. Pakistan religious leaders and political authorities visited the Christian families of Jaranwala to bring consolation after the attacks that took place on August 16. The violence against Christian buildings began after some people reported finding some pages of the Quran with allegedly blasphemous writings in the Christian community area. The number of worship buildings attacked is 21, as the United Council of Churches Executive Director Samsom Suhail reported. More than 80 houses were also said to be targeted. During his visit, Archbishop of Lahore, Sebastian Shaw, listened and prayed with the displaced families. The encounter acquired an even more important symbolic meaning, as it featured the presence of Muslim leaders who, from the beginning, firmly condemned the acts of violence and expressed their solidarity and common prayer. What we have seen is terrible devastation. People are shocked and desperate, with nothing left. It is up to us to bring a modicum of consolation by being witnesses of Jesus' love, Archbishop Shaw affirmed. I told the Christians that they are not alone in this suffering. Jesus is beside them, and we are with them. We are interested, and will take care of them. The Jaranwala community, including worshippers of different faiths and Muslim citizens, was also visited by Anwarulak Kakar, caretaker Prime Minister of Pakistan. The Prime Minister remarked how it is the responsibility of every Muslim to protect minority communities. We will be the voice of the voiceless. We will will enforce the law, and you will find the state and society standing beside you, not only verbally, but with tangible and meaningful gestures. The Prime Minister also distributed checks for 2 million rupees each to Christians whose homes were destroyed during the violence. I am Edoardo Giribaldi. It's 35 past the hour. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's S-O-N-RiseMorningShow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. If the world despises us, let us rejoice, because there is reason for it. Let us realize that we deserve it. If it esteems us, let us despise its judgments. Its esteem for us is blind, without foundation of knowledge or truth. Do not worry about what the world thinks. Despise its esteem. Let us say whatever it likes, whether good or bad. What is desirable is that we keep our eyes fixed on Christ, going about our work no matter what the world thinks. Truly the world is a great charlatan and always talks too much, both about what is good and what is bad. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Chris Armstrong. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Anna Mitchell, and uh, we should probably do this periodically. Um, we're trying to do it, I guess, I suppose, a little bit periodically, uh, a little bit of media literacy and trying to figure out how to read truth and figure stuff out in a world of swirling ideas. Uh, Anna Mitchell, I sent you a link to um, a Twitter account that came across my feed today from what a Gary. What are you doing to me? A Gary M. Parcel. You're going to get so mad at me for. Actually, you you're you're not going to get mad at me for the way this is actually going. So, I saw a tweet today, uh, and it was one of those that got kind of ratioed, where there were like thousands of quote tweets for this thing, uh, very few likes. Lots of replies. But anyway, Gary M. Parcel, uh, according to his profile, is a theologian, a husband, a father of four, host of the Men Must Lead podcast, author of the book Priest and Leader, A Father's Guide to Biblical Patriarchy. Um, and he's also the author of a book called His Place, Her Place. Mm -hmm. um, he writes in this tweet he says my wife and i removed all clocks from our home i have one watch that i wear so i can continue to tell time she can ask me the time whenever but it grows her reliance on me as the head and the husband to keep her and the family in order okay i rely on will to tell me the time a lot but <laughs> is it a way for him to remind you of your place in the home as uh subject to his authority okay here's the problem with gary m parcel uh, so, a search for <laughs> a search for the Men Must Lead podcast by Gary M. Parcel actually returns no results. Oh, um, a search on Amazon or really anywhere for the book by Gary M. Parcel, Priest and Leader: A Father's Guide to Biblical Patriarchy, also returns no results. Oh, interesting. Uh, his place, her place, not by uh, Gary M. Parcel, and not any living anywhere on the internet either. Oh, um, interesting. Gary is from. Coolidge, Georgia, according to his Twitter profile. He joined Twitter in August 2023. Oh, that's just... Oh, oh like just, this month. Oh, interesting. Now. Yeah. Uh, Coolidge, Georgia. Look that up. Uh, population, I think, 520. Mm. Uh, I was like, 
Gary Parcel, I mean, who would put it? Who would put their face on these kinds of opinions? And I clicked. I'm like, oh, that's not a photograph. That's uh, that's AI generated. That's an AI generated face. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so some, but there are, according to the comments on this post, at least uh. 1,085 people who have weighed in engaging this very fake person trying to correct him and uh, respond to what they disagree with in his ideas. The only problem is is there's no him. Well, this is interesting. It makes me wonder if um, Gary M. Parcel is just like a pseudonym for somebody who is saying things that, you know, they really believe, but don't want well then why make up a fake book and a fake podcast that nobody can find and link to well then is this person just trying to foment more i mean this is not an ai generated like these are not posts generated by ai there's no way i'm sure they are actually you think the chat gpt came up with this stuff you can put text into things you can have something read through a series of thoughts from you and generate tweets based on it i've really yes see this is the stuff that i am just like uh, the bot can come up with things that it thinks you might comment on based on the topics that you typically engage in the perspective you this is how chat gpt actually works Hmm. so the other person who might have or the other interested party in creating gary m parcel who doesn't let his wife have a watch, so she has to rely on him and his headship to know what time it is. The person, I can think of a group that would have an interest in in showing that there are people like Gary M. Parcel out there. It'd be people who want to make anybody who has any kind of biblical understanding of marriage and family look as horrible as possible. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good so point, So you got too. that. Interesting. Well, anyway, so I say all this to say, whenever you come across something that's like horrible or sensational or provocative and is sort of designed to engage you or like spark your outrage, be careful. Do a test. Anna Mitchell, I got another one. I'll can I ask one. you a question, though? Like, yes. how long did it – because you sent this to me and I had – you know. I'm working on the show, out. I'm doing news, I'm getting ready for interviews, so I just sort of scan this and think, okay, Matt wants to talk about this guy. I didn't have time to go look into whether he was real or not. What clued you in but that he was that, not real? The people that invented Gay, Gary, or the, the entities that created Gary M. Parcel are counting on that. Well, yeah, but- They're what, counting on that. But what made you realize that he wasn't real? Well- I thought to myself, actually, my first question is, this guy sounds like a Protestant, not a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Even though he's got priest and leader in his book title, I'm going to Google him. And then I was like, in two seconds, I was like, oh, he's fake. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, my interests were driven by something else. But on, on the uh, idea of gullibility and the, the quickness to swallow some of this stuff, um, I, I think that – the reason he came across my feed in the first place was because of my, some of my progressive Christian friends who were responding to him and saying, see, this is the kind of toxicity that's out there in you know the conservative Christian world, mm-hmm. um, which is, again, probably what Gary was designed to, to illustrate. But it happens on the other side, 
too. It happens on all sides. It happens with every ideology is when people get excited. I'm going to read you, and I just sent this to you. I got a, a message from someone, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll redact the names. Okay. But this message was sent to me, and it said, hey, uh, and assuming, by the way, that we would report on this, um, X person, a conservative Catholic figure, uh, it says they got seriously ill on a flight home from X country. They were there promoting X thing. Uh, I got word that this person was taken by ambulance to uh, the Atlanta hospital directly from the airplane, and there's been no mainstream media coverage of it. I wonder if this was an intentional act to get rid of this person uh, because he is speaking the truth and is an enemy of the liberal establishment. <laughs> and then uh, a day later I get a message from them with a link to this thing that this person is then speaking at like the next day and saying, oh, wait, actually, maybe that story is not true. <laughs> yeah. But the person who sent it to me almost – like wanted to believe that this person was being hurt and injured and sent to the hospital for speaking the truth because it would confirm everything that they believed about what about their enemy about their enemy Mm -hmm. so c.s lewis has this thing that he says um i can't even remember where but he says something about like let's say you there's somebody you really don't like and you hear something terrible about them is your first impulse to say oh wait well and then you find out later that it's not true um is your first impulse to say oh man i really wish it was true i hate that person or is it well you know what maybe everybody's not as bad and as horrible as i thought they were and maybe there is some good in them and maybe we can work with that and pray for it to grow in their lives uh that's that's kind of a spiritual reality check right yeah when i hear something bad about somebody it turns out that it wasn't as bad as i thought it was how do I feel about that? Am I like, oh, good, grace is operative in this person's life, or am I like, dadgummit, I really wanted them to be as the worst terrible. person in the world? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Anyway. That's called envy. Yes. Sorrow at another person's... Good. Good. Yeah. Happiness at another person's misfortune. That's... Um, it reminds me of the, the parable of the workers at the vineyard, you know, when... Everybody's lining up to be paid, and the ones that had worked all day are very upset when those that didn't work for very long get paid the same amount. Yeah. And and Jesus is like, Are you envious because Are I'm you generous? envious because I'm generous? Ouch, man. Well, Ouch. I say all that to say, if you see a, a flamer account, well, you tricked you know, me because I was out there just to start. <laughs> did fights. not Google this guy. I just started looking through the tweet. You said you wanted to talk about this, so I start reading through his tweets to start gathering my thoughts. But you took the bait. You, you, I you did. did exactly I what I thought you were going to do. You thought that I was going to be talking about like the relationship between men and men women and in women. the eyes of the, oh, yeah, of the church. Absolutely. I was like, no, I'm talking about fake people planted to cause controversy and foment division. And just so you know. See that, ladies and gentlemen? Don't be like me. There you go. Be like Matt. Delighting in chaos and division and strife, Anna Mitchell, and ruination, that's not the business of heaven. It definitely is the business of the other place. Though. Yes, it is. So if you're making any of these accounts, by the way, please get stop. To, get to confession. 13 till. We're back right after this. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show.
The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage, sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation, will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. Divine Intimacy Radio. When you engage with the wisdom of saints this way, it stokes the fires of God in our hearts, encourages us, strengthens us, and gives us wisdom to deal with the difficulties of life. It also gives us wisdom that allows us to rise above all of the junk and to live with joy and peace in the midst of even the most difficult circumstances. Divine Intimacy Radio, Sunday, 6.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. How do you handle gossip? You can share today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast with decades of experience in private practice as well as helping to form seminarians. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Thanks. Good morning. So we've been talking a little bit about cognitive and behavioral therapy and uh, some of the ways to reframe thinking and and understand, uh, you know, how to interpret situations that we're in. Marriage is certainly a place where a lot of us have to figure out how this works in a practical way all day, every day. So what's some good uh, stuff to kind of have in the background of our mind as we're approaching uh, our marriages today? Yeah, when we when we think about love and marriage, uh, we don't first of all think about our thinking or you know what's going on in our cognitions. Uh, but there's a, there's a couple of you know I don't have any original thoughts now, like you know, but I, I try to read smart people. So Dr. Aaron Beck, who is a big cognitive behavioral therapist, uh, had a great book uh, 30 years ago, but it's still very relevant. It's called Love Is Never Enough. So when you see that title, you know, sometimes people kind of recoil at that. What do you mean? You know, love is marriage is all about love. But I think what he's what he's saying there is if we just think of love as an emotion rather than the thinking and the behavior, that that's where we get into trouble. Uh, and, and I wanted to hit a couple of things, what we bring into the marriage and our false expectations of what marriage is supposed to be and then how we get into really bad habits with each other. So there's another really uh, important person in psychiatry by the name of Karen Horney. She was one of the first 
a psychoanalyst and a, one of the first women who, you know, kind of pushed forward therapy. And she coined a term called a term, uh, the, the tyranny of the shoulds. And sometimes people misinterpret that like, well, I'm just, I have too many uh, moral obligations in my head or I'm putting too much pressure on myself. So I need to get away from the shoulds and just be more, more free. There's another way that she talks about it. The tyranny of the shoulds is what I project onto my partner in a marriage, in a relationship. And that's what we bring into a marriage is sometimes from our family of origins, we've got all this back backlog of expectations about what's supposed to happen in the, the marriage. Uh, the husband should do this, the wife should do this. Our sexual intimacy should just be spontaneously wonderful like it was at the beginning. If we have to work at it, that means there's a problem. <clears throat> or we should never argue, or we should have arguments every day and ventilate everything and you know, kind of spill our feelings out. And a lot of that is carryover from what we learned from our parents and from our grandparents, from our family. And most of us really, when we get married, we haven't even looked at that yet <clears throat> so that we have a whole history and we, we need to kind of look at that. So what are the expectations I have? What, you know, what do I see in my parents' marriage, uh, other people in my family? What do they do well? What do I want to do differently? And then to think about what expectations do I have on my partner, my spouse, that maybe are not realistic, that are really harsh. And a, an expression some people use in an expectation is a down payment on a resentment. And so when we have too many expectations that are false, it gets us into trouble. The other one is the our image of marriage. So I think, you know, this notion that we're soulmates and we should stay that way forever. And a friend of mine jokes that, you know, and, and I can understand this, I deal with a lot of uh, couples from other cultures where they're in arranged marriages. And sometimes I, you know, when I'm working with them, you know, they could be great people. And I think, you know, in some way, every marriage is an arranged marriage. Like we think we know what we're getting into at the beginning, but actually in some way, our partner is is kind of a stranger to us and we have to work at that. Uh, so it's not just going to go on the initial fumes. Uh, so that one that comes up frequently Matt is, you know, when you know this notion of marriage, like, well, we're just roommates, right? So we, the, you know, the love has gone out of the marriage. We've grown apart, and so then to think, well, the solution to that, like a lot of my friends, well, I should just leave this person and find someone else where I could have that spark again, as opposed to another expectation, like this is going to be difficult. We're probably going to get to that point where we might dislike each other, but we still have that love, and love's more than a feeling. Uh, so th those are a couple of key things. And then the last one would be how we, you know, I think a lot of the couples I see sweep problems under the carpet. They they never really clear the air. Uh, and then th this kind of other, uh, I start to turn my magnifying glass in my mind on the negative aspects of my spouse. And then I brood on that. Uh, I, I go over that over and over again in, in my head. Uh, one of my friends says, well, I don't have resentments. I just stew over things, right? <laughs> so, you know, when I kind of focus on the, the negatives rather than trying to turn that around. So to get out of this, Matt, I think we can look at not only how do I feel about my spouse, but what are my mind, what's my mindset that gets me into trouble? And then how can I change that, you know, through the grace that we have in the sacrament, through really sitting down and having some toxic get at compromise and working together as a team and then maybe to think about getting outside help either through therapy marriage encounter retrovi uh talking to our priest uh that we can't do it ourselves and what's the role of prayer in our marriage that 
we can get into some bad spots if we're married long enough. And I, th I think just realizing that, okay, here we are again, we're in a slump. What are we going to do to get out of this and to preserve our commitment to each other, even if it's a lot of hard work? Well, you have mentioned this in a bunch of different ways uh, over the years, but here we are at the end of August and there are kids going off to college and people are going to be hitting that empty nest for the first time. <laughs> right right now and this is a this is a big gut check for a lot of people so i mean these are these are this is a great time of year to be thinking about these questions yeah and especially that that's a great point you mentioned there matt is i i see a lot of people that and we've talked about this before that couples make the kids the priority in the marriage which is really upside down you know it should be god the marriage and then the kids and so if we neglect and don't do the maintenance on our marriage for 20 years and then the kids move away what do we have left? We're going to have problems. So we can think ahead if we're getting close to that point where the kids are going to leave. What are we doing about our marriage? Because it's going to be you you and me, sweetheart, together. Uh, so how are we going to make this work and make it better? All right. Thanks so much, Kevin Pendergast. Really appreciate yep. you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Well, we got another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for many of you listening across the EWTN family, including Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy, Rita Heckenfeld to talk about salt in the Bible, and a whole lot more. So stay with us if you can. Back after the break, it's three minutes till. It is Thursday, the 24th of August, the Feast of St. Bartholomew the Apostle. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O Jesus, St. Bartholomew's greatest desire was to know the truth. When first informed about you, his initial reaction was, how can anything good come from Nazareth? But as soon as he met you, he wanted to become one of your disciples. You said of him, here is a man in whom there is no deception. I ask him to pray against the deceptions that are influencing me and the people I know. Help us to experience your affirmation when we are honest. Give us courage to resist lying as a means of self-protection. And inspire our minds to recognize the truth when we hear it. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Bartholomew. Pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And we are glad to be part of your morning. I'm glad that you are part of ours. Up this hour, Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy will talk about why the whole English-speaking world has one commission working it out when uh, there are a lot of words, uh, both slang and everyday use words, that mean different things in different countries. Why not have a different English translation for every country? Well, he'll talk about the reasoning behind that. I will also talk to Rita Heikenfeld about salt in our Bible Foods segment this morning. Gary Machuda will discuss more uh, about what, uh, you know, what shows us the reliability of the Gospels. And then Dr. John Cutterback will talk about ending summer intentionally and not just coasting from now into the school year. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. 
Good morning. Republican candidates are making their case for why they should be the next president. In the first debate of the Republican primaries on Fox News Channel last night, candidates sparred over their positions on the economy, the war in Ukraine, the southern border, as well as abortion, including whether they would support a national ban on abortion. Former Vice President Mike Pence and businessman Vivek Ramaswamy clashed several times with Pence saying America can't afford to have a rookie as the Republican nominee. Pence and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley criticized Ramaswamy after he said he would end aid to Ukraine. Most of the eight candidates also said they would support former President Trump for president if he won the nomination. President Trump, who did not attend the debate last night, is expected to be booked into the Fulton County, Georgia jail today. Trump reiterated his plans to turn himself in over criminal charges, saying on his social media site yesterday that he is proudly surrendering this afternoon. He faces racketeering and a dozen other counts connected to alleged interference in the 2020 Georgia election. The Russian mercenary chief who led a an aborted revolt against Russian President Vladimir Putin is dead. Mark Mayfield reports. Russian state-controlled media says Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin was killed in a private plane crash along with nine other people Tuesday north of Moscow. Prigozhin openly mocked Putin over the handling of the Ukraine war and there was widespread speculation in the international community that Putin would soon enact revenge, although there's no word on the cause of the crash. President Biden says he doesn't know for a fact what happened, but he's not surprised. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis has again asked for prayers for Ukraine. Vatican News reports he did so during his general audience yesterday as he had looked ahead to today's feast of St. Bartholomew, saying, quote, to the intercession of St. Bartholomew, we entrust dear Ukraine so sorely tried by war. He said, brothers and sisters, let us pray for the Ukrainians. And in his remarks to Polish pilgrims at the audience, he also entrusted Ukraine to Our Lady of Chestakova, whose feast is Saturday. In his catechesis, he continued his series on the passion for evangelization, focusing this time on Our Lady of Guadalupe. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. Although the faith had already arrived in the Americas when Our Lady appeared to Juan Diego, Pope Francis noted the first evangelization of the so-called New World had not been without problems. Instead of the path of enculturation, he said, too often the hasty approach of transplanting pre-constituted models had been taken, lacking respect for the indigenous peoples. When Mary appeared to Juan Diego, though, she came dressed in the clothing of the native peoples, speaking their language, welcoming and loving the local culture. Maria e madre. She is a mother, and under her mantle, every child finds place, the Pope continued. In Mary, God became flesh, and through Mary, he continues to incarnate himself into the lives of peoples. The Holy Father highlighted Mary's proclamation of God in the native language of the people. The gospel, he said, is transmitted through the mother tongue. This, he said, is why mothers are the first evangelizers. Turning back to Juan Diego, the messenger of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Pope Francis noted that the saint persisted in the mission Mary gave him, despite difficulties, including resistance from church leaders. Even today, the Pope said, in so many places, enculturing the gospel and evangelizing cultures requires constancy and patience, not being afraid of conflict and not losing heart. Our Lady confirmed her message to Juan Diego with a miracle, the extraordinary and living image that appeared on the tilma or cloak of the saint. 
This, the Pope said, is the surprise of God. When there is willingness and obedience, he can accomplish something unexpected at times and in ways that we cannot foresee. Even today, at Marian shrines and other places of pilgrimage, we see the welcome and evangelization that marked the life of St. Juan Diego. We need to go to these oases of consolation and mercy, the Pope said, where faith is expressed in a maternal language, where we lay down the labors of life into Our Lady's arms and return to our lives with peace in our hearts. I'm Christopher Wells. Record high temperatures are possible today as a dangerous heat wave blankets parts of the southern and central U.S. The National Weather Service says heat alerts have been issued from New Orleans to Minneapolis, affecting 22 states and about 130 million people. Forecasters warn that temperatures could get above 100 degrees as far north as Minnesota and across the south from Texas to Florida. And high humidity could bring the heat index up to 120 degrees in certain places. The heat will linger into the evening with overnight lows predicted near 80 degrees. And the third and final week of the NFL preseason kicks off tonight. The Pittsburgh Steelers visit the Atlanta Falcons while the Indianapolis Colts travel to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. Three games are on tap tomorrow, highlighted by the Chargers visiting the 49ers. And 10 more games will be on Saturday with action wrapping up on Sunday night when the Houston Texans battle the Saints in New Orleans. The regular season will then begin September 7th. Okay. Can you believe we are in, I mean, we're almost into regular season football. I I suppose. I'm all pumped. We had had high school football here in Cincinnati last week, so it doesn't feel like it. I'm at that stage where it's hard for me to get super excited um, about – the uh, the NFL season when you've got well baseball, our Reds August are actually baseball. in it so well not just the Reds so listen to this so you've got your division leaders right right but here's the wild card standings mm-hmm. uh, so Phillies are at the top of the wild card standings and they're two and a half games up mm-hmm. um, the tied for second place just two and a half games back of that uh, are the Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds half game back of them. You've got both the Giants and the Diamondbacks. Two games back from them, you got the Marlins. That's one, wow. two, three, four, five. Yeah, it's crowded. Uh, teams within about three games of each other at the wild card race. And several of those teams are not very far behind their division leaders either. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that the Texans and Saints in a preseason game will be thrilling, but. But. I'm still in, I'm still in baseball. I get it. Well, we'll keep you posted. It's nine minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. Benjamin Lewis. He is a translator with the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. Dr. Lewis, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, when I was at Asbury College, I was working in the media department, and we had this extraordinary opportunity to work at the Olympics. It was the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, Australia. And the gig that I was given, Dr. Lewis, uh, was to work for CBC, a Canadian um, broadcasting company. Yeah. Um, So I left my Kentucky college to go work for the Canadians in Australia. (laughs) And my language was so confused because everybody calls everything something different. Uh, So in your work as the at the International Commission on English and the Liturgy, why don't you just have like an international commission, or why don't you have just like a Canadian 
uh, one, and like an Australian one, and like a British one, and an Indian one. Why? Sure. Why come up with something that works for all of them? I mean, that's got to be like a big, big task. Yeah, it, it, in some ways, it would probably be easier if we weren't trying to do an international translation. Uh, but the reasons are are there really two main reasons for for this uh, collaborative project. The first one is sort of practical and pragmatic, and the other one is maybe a little more theological. The practical reason is um, it's just it makes better financial sense to to pool resources and have everybody working together on one translation rather than uh, you know ten different countries or eleven different countries each doing the same work independently of each other and spending however much they have to spend to do that. Um, and connected with that, it, it's uh, a consideration of, you know, of all of the bishops conferences, the U.S. probably has the most resources to undertake this project by itself. But, uh, you know, a country like Pakistan or India, there just aren't enough Catholics in those countries and aren't enough English speaking people to for it to be a financially feasible um, so it was really when we first formed in, in the 60s, it was partly the, the larger countries like the U.S. and Canada uh, thinking about how they could help smaller countries like Pakistan and India, where there are still English speaking Catholics, but just not that many. It's so funny that you mention it and, and couch it that way, because when I was working for Canadian television in Australia at the Summer Olympics, essentially what they had me doing was – uh, they had a subscription to the International Broadcast Commission feed on all these things. So I don't know if you know this. Canada is not really well represented in the Summer Olympics. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and so we were uh, plugging into an international feed that did have the resources to cover everything and basically watching tape and putting in the time codes where the Canadians showed up. Right. It's a similar kind of concept. You know, you right. find the, the group that's got the resources and the wherewithal to do it, and then everybody can sort of benefit. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the main practical reason is um, in the 60s when it became apparent that we were going to have liturgical translations, there was a huge interest in it. We wanted to make sure that we we did it well and we did it quickly. And there was a lot of a lot of text to translate. And so for all of those reasons, it made sense for everybody to get on board and and work together. Um, the more theological or ecclesial reason is it, it's a it's a great symbol of Catholic unity Um that you could go anywhere in the world uh, and show up at mass on a Sunday and have essentially the same translation being used for all of the prayers, um, whether you're in the U.S. or in Canada or in England or in Australia or wherever you might happen to be. Um, you can know that it's the same the same basic translation that you're getting of the prayers. Yeah, it is a. Uh... A pretty cool thing, and you know, there's there's a lot of universals. There's a lot of weird stuff, weird slang in various places. You ever have to, you know, be careful about some of those things because you're like, oh, this means something perfectly, you know, normal and understandable in most of these countries, but in Australia, it means like a toenail or something. Yeah, we do. the 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 example that was given to me when I first uh, started at ISO was the word root. Uh, so you can imagine it coming up in liturgical translations, talking about being rooted in the faith. Or something like that. But apparently in Australia, root is a very vulgar sexual slang. So if we use phrases like rooted in faith, um, we've been told, you know, we can't we can't say that because, you know, 12 year old boys in Australia are going to be snickering mm. and, and not paying attention. So um, so things like that, we, we have to find other other solutions. Well, I mean, 
just thinking uh, too, like you know, we I think we encounter this most uh, because uh, the United States is a British colony that you know got independence. You know, the the differences in people who go to England and don't understand that you know a boot over there does not mean a cowboy boot; it means the trunk of a car and um, right little things like that. So I mean, sometimes it's you know it's because it's obscene and not good, but <laughs> sometimes it's because it's just like it would not make sense exactly. at all. Um, yeah. So do you, uh, I mean, how long does it take to get one that everybody is okay with in every single country that speaks English? Well, it, it depends on the text. It sometimes takes a while. Um, but it's one of the reasons why we, in more recent years, uh, say in the last 20 years, our translations have tended to be a little bit more elevated in terms of the style or the register of English, maybe a little more literary than, than our translations used to be. And that's a very conscious effort because we found that when you get to the to the sort of lowest level of language, the level of slang and uh, colloquialisms, um, that's where there's the most range and variety and diversity in English, even from from one part of the U.S. to another. You know, do you call it uh, do you call it soda or pop or Coke or soda pop? Um, but it, if you move up the, the register of English to something a little more formal and a little more literary, then uh, we found that it's, it's remarkably uh, universal across, across language, across cultures and across countries. So, um, you know, it's, everybody's reading Shakespeare. Everybody's reading a lot of the same great literature in English. Um, and so if you if you go a little bit higher and go for something a little more formal, then you suddenly find that uh, you're, you're no longer at the level of slang and colloquialism. You're at a you're at a more universal level of English where everybody goes, oh, yeah, I know what that means. Yeah. And even if there is like a couple of words that you don't know what it means off the top of your head, because, you know, you don't use the word oblation. <laughs> right. In everyday life. Right. You can sure. sort of figure it out a little bit from the. Yeah. From the context. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, because of the way that the rest of the mass is, is speaking about such things. I mean, you can only go so long pretending you don't know what consubstantial means. You know, after a, about a decade or so, you'd be like, yeah, I've had time to research it, and I've had a few yeah. people explain it to me. I know yeah, what you it You can means. look it up in a dictionary if you don't know. There you go. Well, thanks so much. We've got the International Commission on English and the Liturgy linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Got headlines coming up next. It's 17 past. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. 
If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I had to go through fear and thank God that I overcame the fear and I just left it up to God and now there's no more fear, there's just acceptance and I'm just learning to listen. If you want to be closer to God, you just need to keep following His rules and your application, your radio station has helped me to always be positive and continue to listen to the rules and obey. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 18 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. Republican candidates for president were on the debate stage last night, sparring over their positions on a number of issues, including a possible national abortion ban. Former President Donald Trump is expected to be booked into the Fulton County, Georgia jail today. And Pope Francis, during his general audience yesterday, continued his catechesis series on apostolic zeal looking at our lady of guadalupe news at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the sunrise morning show the t- today is the feast of saint bartholomew the apostle mm-hmm. and his uh name is often mentioned in the gospels in connection with philip uh philip is the one who brought bartholomew to jesus uh he is uh according to tradition was skinned alive um that's the nature of his martyrdom there are sh- several kind of Really uh, awesome, rather jarring, depictions jarring of depictions of of him oh, yes. uh, holding his skin. Um, because of this, by the way, and this is how the church always does judo moves. Oh, so you're going to do something terrible to us? Jokes on you. We're going to associate this saint that that happened to uh, with leather as a, making as an uh, ally against that thing, <laughs> right? Yep. Forever or something like that. I mean, this is it's what the cross is, right? Yep. Uh, the cross is the enemy of death, uh, but. Yeah, as you say, leather workers. He's patron saint of leather workers. Love it. Book binders because books, you know, used to be bound in leather. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Shoemakers because shoes used to be made much more of leather. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. So, any of you in those worlds, we're praying for you. Any of you Bart's out there as well? Or Nathaniel's, Nathaniel's. also. Today is yes. my brother-in-law's birthday and onomastico. Yeah. Good morning to all the Nates. Yeah. It's 21 minutes past the hour. To school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. 
I am Bishop Roger Foyes of the Diocese of Covington with a reading from the Imitation of Christ. If only I could find you alone, O Lord, and tell you all that is in my heart, then I could enjoy you as much as my soul desires. Then you only would speak to me and I to you as a lover does to a beloved or a friend to a good friend. This is my one desire and what I pray for, to be entirely united to you and to withdraw my heart from all created things, that by holy communion and the frequent offering of Mass, I may learn ever to delight in the eternal things of heaven. Dear Lord, when shall I be completely one with you and entirely forgetful of myself? You in me and I in you. I am Bishop Roger Foyes of the Diocese of Covington for Sacred Heart Radio. It is time for a look at Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. She's got great recipes there, and you can go and check some of them out. You can also send her some of yours when you've got great ideas. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, Matt. And I'm telling you what, I'm doing a lot of pickling lately, and salt is right in the center. I was about to say, I don't think that there's going to be a person (laughs) listening right now who's not going to use salt in some way today. Uh, Salt is one of the most important things in uh, my pantry and on my table, and it's also a pretty strong metaphor in the Bible. Oh, yeah. You know, when you think of that phrase, salt of the covenant, what that refers to is, is the eternal covenant between God and his people. And that's mentioned in Leviticus. And then um, chapter 2, and it's actually, I think, verse 13, says, Every offering must be seasoned with salt, because salt is the reminder of God's covenant. And, you know, back in Bible days, it was, salt was considered a symbol of hospitality. And to eat salt and food with anybody was to form an unbreakable bond of friendship. So think of not only as a seasoning ingredient, but how important um, it was just that way. Well, I mean, just think about uh, in practical purposes now, you invite somebody over for dinner and uh, you've sort of seasoned it the way that you're used to the eating a certain food, but you want to put that salt out as a because you just never know. As a matter of hospitality, you, somebody else might like a little bit more salt on their green beans or something. You just oh, never yeah. know. Yeah, for sure. All right, so what kind of salt were we uh, able to use if we were uh, if we were around in Bible times? Well, um, it was mined uh, from the salt hills around the Dead Sea. And then think of this, too. Salt was also deposited on the banks of, of that sea because it overflowed every year, Matt. So there was plenty of sea salt, and we know that that has minerals that some salt mined uh, from the earth today might not have. And you know what? I don't know what kind of salt you use today. There's tons of different kinds of salt. There's black, there's green. There are seasoning salts um, that we use in cooking, like regular salt. Then we have those fun, expensive finishing salts um, that are sprinkled on right before you eat. And uh, one of my favorites, and I want to know your take on this, is the Himalayan pink. It's from the mountains of the Himalayas, and it's supposed to be the most healthy uh, salt and also loaded with minerals. Have you used that? I used some last night. I was grilling burgers, and I uh, have like a little grinder thing. Oh, for the yeah, sea salt, yeah. you know, grounded on top of it. It works well for those sorts of scenarios, especially. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the Himalayan. But what about the kosher salt? Because uh, there are a lot of us who don't necessarily eat kosher in any other way, but probably buy lots of kosher salt. 
Yeah, and it's funny because in cooking school we use it all the time. Um, well, first of all, it's processed in a kosher kitchen, and um, so that's one difference. But also the way it's, it's um, processed, it can be rolled or flaked, um, and it's what we call a pure salt because it doesn't have any additives. And then it's got, it got its name, Matt, from the process of rubbing the salt on kosher meats, and that removed the blood during the koshering or cleaning process. And then here's the deal, though. If you're going to use kosher salt versus, like, regular salt, you're going to need a little more uh, spoon for spoon just because of its shape. And then a lot of chefs love kosher salt when they're doing meats because it's sort of like the Himalayan pink. It sticks to meat a lot better than regular salt. Um, and it's easy to use, and, and then when you're sprinkling it on, you can actually see how much you're using so you don't overdo. Very cool. All right, now there are a lot of people who planted cucumbers at some point this year. Maybe they don't usually plant cucumbers, but they planted them, and now they have more <laughs> cucumbers than they could ever possibly know what to do with. So good time to make some pickles. Uh, you've got some pickle recipes for us this morning. I do, and I hope um, everybody tries these. I've got... Um, they're both what we call refrigerator pickles. The first one's a dill. The other one's sort of like a bread and butter. Um, but the dill, and I'll have these recipes on my site as well, really, really delicious. Sort of tastes like a Clausen pickle. Um, you're going to start off with some clearer cider vinegar, some salt, and a little bit of sugar. And you're going to uh, put that on the stove and just put it on low heat till it, the, the sugar and salt dissolves. And then you're going to pour two cups of cold water in there. And that's going to cool it down and make a really nice brine. And then this makes a couple quarts. You just take some cucumbers and cut them in spears and put them in two-quart jars. And then in each jar you're going to put, <clears throat> excuse me, some coriander seeds, garlic, mustard seeds, dill, all when you think of Bible ingredients, those are, some pepper in the jars. And then uh, you pour the, the chilled or cooled brine over that. And sometimes you'll have to add a little bit of cold water to cover the cucumbers. All you do is cover that. You refrigerate it for a day or so. I'm not kidding you. Those pickles are so crisp and not too dilly. You can always add more garlic or dill. Um, and sometimes if I don't have the mustard and coriander seeds, I'll just swap out uh, some pickling spice for it. But I've got all the, the correct um, ingredients and amounts on my site and then the other one i thought you might like with the kids it's called wash tub pickles basically a reader gave it to me and a listener a listener and a reader and they she said her father made these up in the laundry tub and it's just some um, some cucumbers green peppers onions carrots and bell peppers and then uh, the brine is some sugar some celery seed salt and vinegar so you put all the veggies in a bowl you make up the brine um Pour it over and let it sit. Oh, they're so delicious and so crisp and so pretty in the jars as well. Yeah, those are cool-looking jars. Uh, it was always cool when you go to, like, a, a, a fair or something and you see, like, the food section of the competition mm -hmm. and somebody's got those jars of pickles that are just like, I hate to even open this, man. And it looks so, looks so you know, colorful and, and appealing. But you can use some of these recipes, by the way, and pickle not just cucumbers but green beans, okra, uh, <laughs> garlic, all kinds of stuff. I'm about to pickle some red onions as well, Rita. So I'll let oh, you know how those you? go. Oh, yeah. We'll need that recipe. I knew you'd take this and run with it. Hey, well, you know, I mean, this is uh, <laughs> this is the fun of this time of year. got to figure out. We can't garden all winter, so we got to figure out what to do with the stuff that we got this summer. Uh, we've got abouteating.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Head on over and check out Rita's site and send her a note.
Thanks, Rita. Have a great day. Uh, You too, Matt. I'll talk to you next week. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. Republican candidates have been making their case for why they should be the next president. In the first debate of the Republican primaries on Fox News Channel, candidates sparred over their positions on the economy, the war in Ukraine, the southern border, and abortion, including whether they would support a national abortion ban. The Susan B. Anthony list released a statement saying Mike Pence, Tim Scott, and Asa Hutchinson each offered a clear, bold case for national protections for the unborn by at least 15 weeks. Politico reports that Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis did not answer the question directly. Haley said she did not think a national ban would get through Congress. DeSantis touted that he signed a heartbeat bill in Florida but would not say whether he would sign a federal ban if president. Meanwhile, former President Donald Trump was not at the debate last night. He's expected to be booked into the Fulton County, Georgia jail today. Trump reiterated his plans to turn himself in on criminal charges, saying on his social media site yesterday that he's proudly surrendering this afternoon. He faces racketeering and a dozen other counts connected to alleged interference in the 2020 Georgia election. The Russian mercenary chief who led an aborted revolt against Russian President Vladimir Putin is dead. Mark Mayfield reports. Russian state-controlled media says Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin was killed in a private plane crash along with nine other people Tuesday north of Moscow. Prigozhin openly mocked Putin over the handling of the Ukraine war and there was widespread speculation in the international community that Putin would soon enact revenge, although there's no word on the cause of the crash. President Biden says he doesn't know for a fact what happened, but he's not surprised. I'm Mark Mayfield. Pope Francis has again asked for prayers for Ukraine. He did so during his general audience yesterday as he looked ahead to today's feast of St. Bartholomew, saying, quote, To the intercession of St. Bartholomew, we entrust dear Ukraine so sorely tried by war. Brothers and sisters, he said, let us pray for the Ukrainians. In remarks to Polish pilgrims, he also entrusted Ukraine to Our Lady of Chesakova, whose feast is on Saturday. During his catechesis, he continued his series on apostolic zeal, upholding the role of mothers and grandmothers in transmitting the faith to their children. Vatican News reports the Holy Father focused on the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe in order to stress the importance of passing on the faith in our own native languages. He said, this is why mothers are the first evangelizers. The Archbishop of Lahore has joined Muslim and government leaders in visiting a Christian community after a wave of violence there. Eduardo Garibaldi reports. Pakistan religious leaders and political authorities visited the Christian families of Jaranwala to bring consolation after the attacks that took place on August 16. The violence against Christian buildings began after some people reported finding some pages of the Quran with allegedly blasphemous writings in the Christian community area. The number of worship buildings attacked is 21, as the United Council of Churches Executive Director Samsung Suhail reported. More than 80 houses were also said to be targeted. 
During his visit, Archbishop of Lahore, Sebastian Shaw, listened and prayed with the displaced families. The encounter acquired an even more important symbolic meaning, as it featured the presence of Muslim leaders who, from the beginning, firmly condemned the acts of violence and expressed their solidarity and common prayer. What we have seen is terrible devastation. People are shocked and desperate, with nothing left. It is up to us to bring a modicum of consolation by being witnesses of Jesus' love, Archbishop Shaw affirmed. I told the Christians that they are not alone in this suffering. Jesus is beside them, and we are with them. We are interested and will take care of them. The Jaranwala community, including worshippers of different faiths and Muslim citizens, was also visited by Anwarulak Kakar, caretaker Prime Minister of Pakistan. The Prime Minister remarked how it is the responsibility of every Muslim to protect minority communities. We will be the voice of the voiceless. We will enforce the law, and you will find the state and society standing beside you, not only verbally, but with tangible and meaningful gestures. The Prime Minister also distributed checks for 2 million rupees each to Christians whose homes were destroyed during the violence. I am Edoardo Giribaldi. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, In the sacrament of confession, when you make a firm purpose of amendment... What does that mean? By a firm purpose of sinning no more, I mean a fixed resolve not only to avoid mortal sin, but also its near occasions. Imagine that you got into a fight with somebody, and he said many insulting things about you. But then, later on, you ended up making up, and he says to you, You know, I'm sorry for what I said, but fact is, I might say it again, so watch out. I think that we would be right to suspect that our friend wasn't really sorry at all. Because in order to truly be sorry, we also have to decide that I don't want to do it in the future. So we need to avoid all occasions of sin. And we need to have that firm purpose of sinning no more. And when we have both of those, we will be able to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, and joining us now from Hands-On Apologetics is Gary Machuda, author of The Gospel Truth, How We Can Know What Christ Taught. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. So, this is not a hard and fast proof, uh, this uh, chapter that you have on the Gospels and the teachings of Jesus being built for memory, 
but it does help to explain why the teachings endured so well through oral tradition until they were written down. The idea that Jesus taught in a in a way that was naturally easy to remember. Okay, so what do you mean by this? Well, I call it uh, layers of formatting, or that the, the lessons, the words, are formatted for easy and accurate recall. And so, uh, and this is part of our experience, right? Uh, think about nursery rhymes that you learned when you were a little kid, or songs that you heard maybe a couple of decades ago. You know, we can repeat these with word-for-word accuracy because they're formatted, right? They have a certain rhyme, a certain rhythm, there's word plays, there's little devices that, you know, provide a structure so that even if you forget a word or two, it still gives you the structure in which you could jog your memory and kind of fill back in the parts that you forget. Well, this actually goes uh, not just to the teachings of Jesus, but this is very prevalent in the Psalms. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, some of this comes across in English, but some of it doesn't really hit our English understanding and speaking ears the same way it would have hit Hebrew ears. But there's a lot of uh, what's called parallelism, all right, where something is said twice and to an English reader like well why did they just say the same thing twice when you don't realize that there's kind of a thing being like reinforced uh or set up and then said the opposite so you can sort of remember things in pairs I mean this is the sort of world that I mean Jesus would have grown up uh reciting the Psalms every day yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's it's, it's Hebrew uh poetry and the cool thing about Hebrew poetry it isn't playing on rhyming words it's really rhyming ideas Right, so like you said, there's these parallelisms, and there's different kinds of parallelisms. And for us, uh, you know, we read the Psalms and we just think it's Bibleese. That's just the way biblical people speak. But you know, it, it's really this kind of poetic formatting that supplies uh, the, the rhyming pattern, if you will, to help memorize things. And when you read the New Testament, like the point on my book, it, the Gospels are chock full of these rhyming patterns. Well, there there are many of these, but I want to focus on antithetical parallelism, uh, which is, uh, if you're going to learn one big word or phrase today, this is a good one, uh, because Jesus does this a lot, and we've heard him do this a lot. A lot of us didn't realize this is being done as intentionally as it is, and a lot of people didn't probably realize there's a word for this, but antithetical parallelism. So Jesus will say something like, every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit, or... You are wicked and know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in Heaven, who is good, know how to give good things to those who ask Him? I mean, how does this work on the brain when Jesus sets up things this way? Yeah, yeah. so with the antithetical parallelism, the uh, second line contrast, or it's kind of the flip side of the first one. So, so it's almost like a mirror image in reverse. Uh, and, you know, in terms of a memory device, you can see where this is really advantageous, right? Because let's say that first line that you quoted from Matthew, uh, so every sound tree bears good fruit, but, you know, what happens if you forget what he says afterwards? Well, he's talking about trees, he's talking about good fruit, so you just flip it and you get the second line, but every bad tree bears evil fruit or bad fruit. So you can see where, you know, the structure of the antithetical parallelism and all the other parallelisms, too, kind of 
give you a crutch to help you if you forget words or, or maybe can't remember exactly what said part of the, the line. So if I say, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, uh, and you're like, well, but I wonder what happens to someone who humbles themselves. Right, like it's built in, right? Exactly. It's built in. Yeah. Uh, the first shall be last, but man, I wonder what's going to happen to the last. Yeah, no, I mean it's exactly. in there, right? The last shall be first. I mean, this is over and over again. Like this teaching, and once you start to see it, you start to see it everywhere. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, and he, Jesus even sometimes uses antithetical parallelisms to make an argument. Like, for example, he would make an argument from the lesser to the greater, uh, and like. Uh, uh, for example, when he's talking about uh, pulling out the speck from your brother's eye and you don't notice the log in, in your own eye. And, uh, you know, so he moves from uh, the smaller to lesser that uh, if, you know, first you, you should get that log out of your eye, then you can be able to get the speck out of your brother's eye. So, I mean, there's many ver- uh, variations. And the cool thing is it's also really fun to listen to right, as well as memory device. Well, and it's part of why there are a lot of people who would say, as Catholics, that they don't know the Bible, but they actually do know a lot of these things. They know a lot of these phrases, a lot of these sayings of Christ, because, you know, if you're hearing them a couple times a year, (laughs) you know, or once every even couple years, but you're hearing them your whole life in the Mass, it's hard not to pick up, because some of these are just so so memorable, right? Like the idea yeah. of the the speck in your eye, uh, you know, remove that before, uh, you know, you remove, you, you, you try and get the log out of your neighbor's eye, or like, he who is without sin can cast the first stone. There's, there's even like a rhythm to these phrases. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so what's really cool about this, it shows that yeah, first, it, it's just incredible that Jesus is able to teach using all these different parallelisms and that for the purpose of accurate recall, you know. So th- this is just one line of formatting, and there's so many different kinds of parallelisms that's used throughout the Gospels that, you know, it shows that there was this concerted effort to make sure that what Jesus said was passed on accurately. And, uh, man, it really does make you appreciate the teachings of Jesus, not just from the profundity of what he says, but even how he says it. Well, this goes back to something that we've talked about in previous segments um, about rabbinic schools, and and this helps make a lot more sense and puts, you know, kind of feet on this concept of, of why people are calling Jesus a rabbi everywhere he goes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so it, you're absolutely right. This definitely taps into the Jewish culture in which Jesus came and uh, delivered, you know, this definitive revelation of the Father, is uh, that it, it's uh, he taps into all these things that the Jews would have been very familiar with, like you pointed out earlier. All of this stuff is, is in the Old Testament, especially the Psalms and the wisdom literature. And uh, so he brings that to bear in order to produce not just things that sound biblical, but actually are practical that you can remember. Yeah, it is a pretty cool thing. And you've, uh, we, we just have used a couple of the examples that, that sort of show this forth, but you talk about liturgical repetition. Um, you talk about uh, you know, the, the, the questions of, of using locations and places as ways to help people remember certain things, which is something that the monks will go on to do later on in the medieval 
period um, as memory uh, methods. And, and there's just a whole bunch of other stuff uh, that show forth how Jesus was saying things that were meant to be remembered and, and saying them in ways that could be easily remembered. Uh, Gary Machuda, if our listeners want to get a copy of your book, The Gospel Truth, How We Can Know What Christ Taught, how do they do so? Uh, just go to stpaulcenter.com and uh, you can pick it up there. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much, Gary. Have a wonderful day. And you too, Matt. Thanks a lot. Yeah, head on over to Hands On Apologetics. There's just tons, I mean, tons of great stuff from Gary over there. We're back right after this with headlines and Dr. John Cutterback. It is 14 till. The first annual Dominican Rosary Pilgrimage sponsored by the Dominican Friars Foundation will take place on Saturday, September 30th at the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. This all-day event will feature conferences by Father Gregory Pine, resuscitation of the rosary, a fervorino by Father Lawrence Liu, and mass with Father James Brent as homilist. Join us for this day of prayer to Our Lady. For more information, visit rosarypilgrimage.org. That's rosarypilgrimage.org. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. I used to wonder if God really cared, why it mattered what church I went to, or why I even bothered with faith at all. Then I started praying more often and going to church. What happened? My relationships got stronger, and I felt a peace that I never had before. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. How do you handle gossip? You can share today on Take Two with Jerry and Debbie on most of these EWTN stations. And now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 till. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Dr. John Cutterback. He's a philosophy professor at Christendom College. You can take his man or woman of the household course at his site, life-craft.org. And I'd encourage you to read his blog there as well. Dr. Cutterback, good morning. Good morning, Annie. So the season that is summer is going to end whether we like it or not, most usually consider Labor Day weekend as as summer's sort of last hurrah, right? And I know that you have written that you always find it hard to say goodbye to summer. Why is that? Yeah, you know, there's just uh, in, in the rhythm of life today, I think we tend to do seasons a little differently than the kind of uh, more traditional way of doing seasons. And for us, uh, you know, summer is that time where we spend 
more time with our with our family and get to do our kind of vacationing and traveling. And there's just so many things that are a, a real blessing that uh, you know that you kind of want to take with you. And and so that's certainly certainly part of it. And it's like, gosh, you know, it almost feel like a little bit more of a taste of a little bit more of a taste of heaven and what things are going to be like when you don't have to worry about this and that. And so it, it, it brings up the deeper, harder issues. And you've got a post over at LifeCraft about ending summer intentionally. What does that mean? Well, you know, I, I think it's a matter of something we need to be doing all the time, looking, looking for a natural plan, looking for things that are saying, hey, here's how God has set this up. And even if it seems hard at first, what, what, what's the gift to us? And sh- clearly part of the kind of natural plan gift to us is that there are these different seasons. And even if we're not living the seasons in the most natural, kind of traditional way that people normally would have done seasons, there still is that important aspect of how can we take this as an opportunity from God to say this transition might be hard, but it's something he's calling us to do. So let's just go ahead and ask the question how to do this transition best. That's kind of what I mean by intentionally. And so what is the role of gratitude in all of that, Dr. Cutterback? Well, you know, I, I, I think gratitude is always something that the Lord is calling us to. It, it, not in the sense that he's forcing it upon us, but of course it's so central to our relationship, Tim, because as St. John Paul II pointed out, it's, it's all about gifts. And in, in, in the first and most fundamental appropriate response to gift is gratitude. So it's always a great place to begin, I think especially when we're finding things hard. Well, let's look and see what actually can we be very grateful for here. Maybe as summer is, is ending up, that's a, a particularly fitting thing, because there, there are so many things perhaps that we enjoy or gift, even if, even if it wasn't a perfect. So it's o- always great to begin with that as a kind of foundation for moving forward. Well, I mean, if we have it all the time, we often lose our our thoughts of gratitude for it, right? We take it for granted. Right, right. That's a very good point. So those kind of trends, that brings out a nice aspect of somehow in God's plan, these transitions, these transitions are kind of brought upon us by the seasons. It, it helps us, maybe not absolutely makes us, but in case it encourages us to stop, take stop, take stock, look back with that gratitude, and then, of course, also start to plan and make resolutions for what comes next. What sort of wisdom do we gain from the ancients about the changing of seasons and how we can apply that to our lives? Well, you know, I think, I, I, I think the, the, the main thing there is simply what we've kind of already been saying of be attentive to this is actually something important in life. I love this quotation from Hesiod, the ancient Greek writer, who says, mortals find it hard to discover the divine plan in the change of seasons. Mm. So note, note what's kind of Im, 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 implied there. Again, there, there, there is a gift herein, but we're going to have to stop and kind of be intentional and find it. And this is so many things in Scripture, uh, too. I love the line in, in Ecclesiastes, you know, there's a, there's a time the time for everything. These seasons are part of the gift, so we need to start to just kind of open our eyes to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, God certainly made the world this way with the changing of the seasons, and we see all over Scripture how nature can give us insight 
into our lives. I mean, Dr. Cutterback, I have to say, um, I am not quite like you in this, that I often spend my summer longing for the fall. It's my favorite season. I mean, I love the temperature of the fall, the wardrobe that I get to wear to match that temperature. I love the colors of the season. I love the flavors of the season. I mean, I even loved going back to school when I was in my school days. So do you think the idea of having gratitude ahead of time um, for the things that are to come could be part of of ending summer intentionally? That's great. I, lo- I love it. I, 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 absolutely. Because if, if nothing else, the change brings out a kind of recognition of these different aspects of life. And so, you know, whether it's looking forward with uh, this, this great excitement, which is itself a kind of, then obviously it's going to more easily elicit a gratitude, or looking ahead with a little bit of uh, you know, anxiousness, or gosh, you know, here comes some hard work, you know, me being an academic, okay, got to really kind of ramp up and get back to the work, which, which, is, also, which is also exciting. So that's why I also like to say these, another aspect that we haven't so much brought out is the opportunity to say, okay, how are we going to grow? What are we going to do new? I, I think this is as good a time as the new year to think in terms of resolutions. What, what, what are we going to do? Because many of us, even if not just academic, but many of us, of course, are associated with people who are going back to school. So it's just it's a change of schedule. It's a change of various aspects of life. How are we going to maximize this? What are we going to do different? How are we going to open our hearts to, to some type of good growth here? Speaking of good growth, I saw a video on your site that this is a good time of year to do a little bit of planting still. Is that right? You know, it, it, I mean, of course, it depends on where you are, but, but most of us, absolutely. You can still, you can still slip in, and, and with great success, uh, you know, kind of some of those uh, quick fall greens, a lot of lettuces, especially for the ones that don't take quite so long. You can do radishes again. So, I mean, absolutely be thinking about one more shot in the garden. Oh, man. I was so inspired when I saw the video, Dr. Cutterback, um, because I never got around. My husband was starting to make raised beds and we got distracted from the project. And I am so pleased to know that I still have some time to at least grow a little bit of lettuce uh, before the winter comes on here in the Cincinnati area. If you want to go see Dr. Cutterback's advice on gardening, Right around this time of year, talking about ending the summer intentionally and so much other good stuff over at life-craft.org, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Cutterback, thank you so much. Always a delight. The delight is all mine. And by the way, registration is still open for Dr. Cutterback's uh, course that he'll be giving starting on September 11th on the Cardinal Virtues over at instituteofcatholicculture.org. So head over there and register. Just a few days left for that. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll talk to you again tomorrow at EWTN. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Now, Sacred Heart Radio.